0: soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else I feel like talking about I'm your host Britt Cannon and this week's episode is called harbingers of chaos I think I mentioned in my last episode or maybe the one before that (laughs) um, if you haven't listened to those go ahead and listen to them but you also don't need to to get something out of this episode. They can be one-offs or they can be, like, in sequence, but I don't know. They always manage to connect somehow because I sort of, like, stream of consciousness what I've been thinking about for the past, like, weeks or months or whatever. Um, Sorry about the sirens in the background. That's New York City for ya. Um, So I was mentioning how I was watching, like, BoJack Horseman video essay about, I don't know if you've seen this show, but I love it, Um and it's about this character, Princess Carolyn, who's like an uh, an agent slash manager slash codependent girlfriend of the toxic main character of the show, BoJack Horseman, and she, the person who made the video is this guy named Johnny Cellos on YouTube, just in case you want to check it out, um, And he said something really profound about how for Princess Carolyn, like when you're used to managing chaos, you create or you find yourself attracted to situations where chaos is happening. So like chaotic people. And if you're someone and sometimes when you're used to chaos, you end up being the kind of person who like creates chaos But I think that most of us at some point or another embody both of these, sometimes at the same time throughout our lives. So like if you've experienced trauma, any kind of trauma, but you know, (laughs) most glaringly the kind of like generational, like childhood trauma, like the kind of trauma where you're neglected or abandoned or rejected by your family, the kind of trauma where you grew up with conditional love, if you grew up with any kind of addiction or mental illness or just any kind of chaos you know like your parents didn't really have their shit together and they were doing the best they could with what they had but their best wasn't that great (laughs) you can you become used to that and it takes a lot of time and effort to even realize that what you went through wasn't normal although the thing with trauma that really like fucks me up sometimes is like you can be aware of something on one level and utterly unaware of it on every other level so like while i was growing up in my (laughs) chaotic childhood home like i knew that what i was going through wasn't normal but also because of like you know white supremacist capitalists heteropatriarchy things the systems of oppression that we were all operating under like all of my friends who were in a similar socioeconomic class with other intersections of oppressions that I didn't experience, you know, we were all sort of in the same boat as far as dysfunctional families were concerned. Some had issues in different areas than mine did. You know, there was, it was a mixed bag. <laughs> like it can manifest in many different ways. But for the most part, we were all dealing with like, our parents being in chaotic relationships, some kind of addiction, like extreme reactions to things. Sometimes it was like pyramid schemes. Sometimes it was like becoming really religious out of nowhere. Sometimes it was like parents literally leaving their kids to live with my family, just like all kinds of wackadoo stuff. So we were, so it was normalized to a certain degree. Like, you know i would go to other friends houses who didn't live in my same neighborhood who maybe had slightly more money or whatever and sometimes their families would be so calm and like normal that it would it would be jarring so like it's not to say that i was utterly oblivious that what i went through wasn't was wasn't normal but my awareness didn't go any deeper than that and i think that comes from this like coping mechanism of of, like, repressing how you feel about something. So, like, when you're going through trauma, our body kind of and our mind kind of protects us by shutting down our emotions so that we can just get through. For anyone who's ever experienced, like, the grief of, of like, suddenly losing a loved one, you know? Like, I remember when my cousin died when I was in my early 20s, and he was only a year younger than me, so it was really, like, heavy but I remember like not being able to cry because there was so much to take care of and because there was just like, you know, everyone else was so destroyed and I was too, but it was just sort of like I could zip all that up and like be strong for everyone else and and I didn't I kept worrying. I was like when's it going to hit me? Like when's it going to kick in? Why can't I cry about this or like why am I I don't seem to be as affected as everyone else or whatever. Of course I crumbled later when I was alone, when I felt safe and the crumbling happened like you know, periodically in waves for many years. And and it's leveled out now, but like you know, it took a long time I'll still get sad or whatever, but it's, you know, the grief kind of... It's like a tide. Like, the waves don't have to come in as far or be as extreme, like, with time. You can be, like, sad and grateful for them, and you can feel their spirit in the beyond and all that stuff. You can feel all the beauty with the sadness at once. And you can also take the lesson of that loss um, and, and morph it all into some kind of, like, healing of some sort, even if you're never the same again. Like, there is... There is always like, <laughs> I don't know, a sunrise. There's always, I keep saying this, but the song has been on my mind lately because I've been listening to it every single morning um, during the work week to like pump me up. But <laughs> There's always the light of a clear blue morning. Thank you, Dolly. Um, so I don't know. I think there's like this power down for your emotion switch that happens where like, you can just cope. You can just get through. Because it, it's like if I, if I flip this switch, I'm going to fall apart. And I can't afford to fall apart right now. And throughout my life, it's always struck me how like I will go through <laughs> terrible, traumatic situations, and I won't break down until it's over until I'm out of it and I know I'm safe and my life calms down. And when my life calms down, that's when I have the panic attacks. That's when I go into a deep depression. That's when I feel all the grief and all the anger. That's when I start having the nightmares about like, you know, (laughs) the scream, the like ghost face from scream chasing me, just like it manifests in all these wild ways. And I think because of that, like that's how you get acclimated to chaos. Like if life is so chaotic from like the second you remember being <laughs> alive you know from the second you have like conscious thought and are observing the world around you and taking notes and realizing like oh this is how you be a person oh this is how life works and some some kids have loving homes and get positive messaging, but many don't. And that's what I'm talking about. So you're getting these like messages of like, this is how life works. Like life is inherently unfair. I am inherently lovable. Like love is hard to come by. Affection is hard to come by. Stability is hard to come by. Like you're getting these messages that are setting you up for a you know, a difficult existence, and one that's that doesn't have much hope or light or love or forgiveness or like gentleness and or compassion or, you know, those people are that you're surrounded by are putting in programming into you the re- repetitive thoughts that are going to stick with you for the rest of your life, until you heal and replace them with your own. And if if life is literally just one thing after another after another after another, which it so often is. You're just adapting to the chaos, like it's that thing where you're driving in your car, right? <laughs> or you're listening to your headphones, and you're like, "Oh, I'm, I'm having fun with this music," but I kind of like to turn it up like two notches, and so then it's a little louder. And then you're like, you know, maybe there's honking outside or something, and you turn it up a little bit more. And then you a song you really like comes on, and you turn it up a little bit more, and you just keep getting used to the higher and higher and higher volume. Until you like get to your destination, you turn off your car and you get out of it. Then later when you get back in it and you turn it on, you're terrified by the moment of like extremely loud noise that comes at you when you when the radio clicks on. Right. It's like you're no longer used to that level of noise. But before that, you didn't notice how loud it was. It's kind of that it's like a slow, gradual acclimation to like a heightened level of chaos And if you're not able, which we, you aren't like, it's a defense mechanism. It's your body and your mind trying to protect you so that you don't like, we couldn't survive the level of stress that even life in general, like trauma aside gives us on a day-to-day basis. Um, You almost have to check out until you have the tools to cope in the present moment. But that takes a lot of work, a lot of healing, a lot of effort and a lot of like, patience and love and breath work and and like you know buddhist philosophy it just takes a lot to get there so most of us are not operating from that place so when you get used to chaos you don't trust peace you don't trust areas or situations or people where chaos is not present or you just don't feel drawn to them this is like a thing i talk about in my uh, episode on limerence if you I think, it's, I think it's called unrequited love. So like if you resonate with this and you feel like I'd love to hear more about this, go back and listen to my limerence episode. But like this thing where we apply magical thinking to our own toxic patterns of attraction. So like you think, oh, this person who's, who's going to make me chase them, this person who is unavailable in some capacity, this person who you know, doesn't make me feel good when I'm around them other than the fact that I feel like physically high when they give me some sort of attention. Like when we, when they breadcrumb me, I feel elated and that must mean our souls are destined to be together or whatever. And then someone, you know, it may sound ridiculous, but people who have been there know what I'm talking about or who, who have had loved ones who, who operate in these kind of cycles. Um, where you just, you you meet someone calm and nice, or maybe your friend does, or your mom does, or whatever, and they're like, they want to treat them right, they want to love them, and they're like, I don't know, I just don't think it's meant to be, or like, I don't know, this person's kind of boring, or whatever, and it's literally self-sabotage. Like, it's literally feeling like you don't deserve stability, you don't deserve love, you don't deserve peace, and so you reject it. In fact, you don't even know how to recognize, like, because you don't have a discerning voice yet. So you don't know how to recognize what's good for you versus what's bad for you. And you find yourself more attracted to what's bad for you because you're used to chaos and you can like tell when it exists in someone else. And if you're the kind of person who creates chaos because of your own trauma, and I'm doing like a binary sort of look at it right now where there's like the managers of chaos and the bringers of chaos, but I'll get into the nuance later of how we like all, if you do one, chances are you do the other. And, and that doing one kind of leads to doing the other. And this is why so many people, you know, people who who have maybe hurt a lot of people and manipulated a lot of people like still see themselves as victims because they're managing chaos as well. You know, it might, it might be their own that they create, but we all kind of do that. Um, and it just, it takes a little bit of redirecting and like reprogramming to be in a place where you're attracted to peace and stability and love. And before that point, I think the only way we learn really is by understanding our own patterns. And in order to understand your own patterns, you have to make a whole bunch of mistakes first. So the managers of chaos right like who are those people in childhood those people are the fixers like the peacekeepers usually they're like a parentified child they're someone who like is really approval seeking in like a fawning type of way like this is the kind of person who tries to be perfect in order to not disturb the peace in order to be there for everyone else um it's the little therapist it's the little um enmeshed you know like spouse children like they're the ones that are their parents best friend they know everything that's going on in the family and they end up being like the backbones of their friendships like they're everybody's best friend but nobody's really their best friend they run themselves ragged they're the hyper codependents and they're usually the people who are in my own experience like I always played as sort of like supporting role to a main character, right? So like my grandma is this like larger than life personality. My mom is this larger than life personality. All of my best friends have been these larger than life personalities. Um, and several of my partners have been that too. Like always sort of the center of attention, always kind of like mean people, people who could really like control the energy of a room people who didn't have a lot of empathy as far as how they talked to or treated other people but I was always this like special person in their lives who understood them who who like helped them access like the sweetness inside of themselves who was sort of the angel on their shoulder like helping them be a better person which is you know it's like when I look back on it I kind of cringe because I felt really good about that role like I mean to be real like there's a superiority that comes with like feeling like a better person than the person you spend the majority of your time with like even though that's not nice like (laughs) it's not nice to feel to to help to have that kind of I don't know it's like sort of pretentious or something to have that boost your own self-esteem To be like, well, I'm a better person than this person. Like, I would never behave the way they behave. But you're supposed to love them. And love is supposed to be unconditional. And here you are feeling better then. Like, that's no different. I mean, it is different in the sense that you might not be a bigot. But that's no different than how Christians act. You know what I mean? Like, the holier than thou. Like, I know the better way. I'm going to help you see the light. Maybe they don't want to see the light. Maybe (laughs) that's just who they are. Maybe if you can't, like, truly love someone... Where they are in this moment, like maybe it's best to not try to love them up close at all, you know? I feel like there's been a lot of like, this is typical codependence as far as like loving, you know, being in love and like caring for and managing the chaos of someone with an addiction problem, like you. you love them in the way that's like i'm loving you in the hopes that one day you will change i love your potential and i know this is like common like terminology we use in the self-help world, which is a lot of times like victim shaming or, or it can make you feel superior, right? Like don't love someone's potential. Like you're loving that man's potential or whatever. And it still feels like it's a place of superiority when it's really like loving someone on the condition that they change is really not kind. And instead of doing that, you could find someone who like already meets your needs, who already checks off your you know you're um like you're who's on the same page with you who has your same philosophy on life or like core values you know um but that's not how we're taught to be like you're taught to love someone and how you earn love is to care for them is to be like as unconditionally loving as possible to sacrifice yourself especially if you're someone who's like socialized as a woman in society or like you are the more femme leaning person you know like this happens to (laughs) this happens to like people assigned the role of daughter or like who you know feminine sons or whatever like the emotional support oldest daughter trope like these are the people who where you learn that your role and how you earn love and validation is through taking care of others and lord knows i have heavily identified like this was my big larp right like heavily identified as that person, like someone self-sacrificing, someone who never did things for me. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't like, um, like consider myself. I had no boundaries. The word no, like was so unfamiliar to me. Like I didn't, I never said it. Um, and if I did, I would get such backlash that it wouldn't be worth it. Like it's just, taken a long time to unpack that and it took a lot of rejection like the reason why I became that way is because I knew that there was nothing else that I could offer my family that would make them love me and care for me and value me and so then because I had surrounded myself with a similar kind of chaos in all the phases of friend groups and like life circumstances I was in from the time of early high school basically until you know, a handful of years ago, um, over and over again, when I finally would work up the nerve to lay a boundary or when like my physical body would fail me and I would have to, you know, not go out for a night or not be there for someone or whatever, the shit that I would get for it would be the manifestation of all my greatest fears. Like, see, I knew it. If I don't bend over backwards no one's going to love me, I'm going to be alone. No one's going to be there for me. And um, so it felt like this weird <laughs> like proof that I was inherently unlovable unless I was being of service. And none of that was true. you know, it was just those are just the patterns that I was playing out. and we all have our own kinds of patterns. On a similar like sort of other side of the coin perspective, the the harbingers of chaos like the people who create chaos because they grew up in it those are the the flight and the fight people usually not always I'm gonna get into the the gray area (laughs) in a second but just to like black and white explain it like these are the lost children a lot of times or the avoidant children like the people who lost themselves in like early manifestations of addiction this can be like tv or video games or can- candy is a big one or just like the kids who run away from home the kids that like sort of live at other friends houses they're they're neglected they're ignored like people don't seem to care about them you know where the fawners are sort of hyper like controlling parents are hyper vigilant with them and very controlling and afraid to let them out of their sight because they're afraid to lose their grip on them they have super high expectations like with the forgotten children it's like the expectations were never there at all like we don't even care about you enough to to like give a fuck about what you're up to or whatever and that's also because they end up being more difficult. You know, like once someone understands that they have the freedom to run away or they have the freedom to yell and scream and hit walls or like call names or whatever and have a an authority figure back down and you can get what you want if you just argue long enough and all that kind of stuff, Um, you know, that does have a certain kind of payoff and a certain kind of like liberation that being the, the manager of chaos doesn't afford you because you have all these responsibilities and you have all these consequences like too many consequences whereas the people who are conditioned to create chaos like often experience very little consequence in their life until they eventually do and it's like a big consequence that they face so you can see how these two types of reactions to the same kind of trauma like like they make sense together there's a there's a give and take there and a natural like compensation for where the other one falls short that can work in a weird dysfunctional way so like if someone is used to creating chaos what they really need is a sidekick type of person to clean up their messes to like do damage control for them to be like their pr person slash agent slash manager slash like ex-partner or best friend or whatever like they need a fauner to enable them, to to make it safe for them to like be their worst versions of themselves and still know that that manager is always going to come back. And that's where this like these push and pull dynamics come from, where like everyone's used to working for love. The creators of chaos are used to testing people, right? Because they're operating from both both parties are operating from this truth of like, I am inherently unlovable. Everyone leaves. And like, it's only a matter of time before stuff falls apart. Right. (laughs) Which is really sad and really scary. But like, that's where we, most of us are in our, in our unhealthy days. Like that's where we are. This sort of bleak, myopic view of love and relationships and family and community and life. So the two different responses to it are like, For the creators of chaos, they're like, I'm going to create chaos. I'm going to push and push and push and push people away and test them. And they're going to have to prove to me how much they love me over and over and over again by coming through for me, by cleaning up my messes, by living, loving me unconditionally, by living to serve me, by like always trying to prove how much they love me. And like the, Catch 22 is that there's no amount that someone could show that would be enough for someone like that because it's about what you're giving yourself. It's not about what someone externally can show you. Like someone can be giving you the most pure love in the world, but if you're not in alignment with it, if you haven't learned how to receive it, which is a very vulnerable thing to do to receive love. Like I've always been a mush. I've always been very tender hearted, but I really never was able to receive love until I was like 29. And when I did, it blew my freaking mind open and triggered me so deeply that it was like almost devastating to realize that I had been in relationships since I was 15 years old. I'd had like, I don't even know how many best friends I'd had community. Like I thought my family was right or die, like all of these things. And I realized like, oh, no one's ever taking care of me. No one's ever, I've never been able to receive love because I've always been giving love to protect myself from having to be vulnerable enough to receive love. And I also just like was more drawn to people who were not interested in giving me anything good to receive. And that sucks, you know? <laughs> I'm good at it now, but it took a long time. Um, So you have to, like, be right within yourself and, like, ready yourself to receive love in order to truly receive it. Sometimes the love comes first and you just have to get acclimated. But usually, in order to choose people who are going to give you that, you have to be kind of ready for it. Otherwise, you push them away or you or you think you're not attracted to them or you, like... I don't know. There's like all kinds of ways that we put up barriers to what we actually want and need because we're afraid, you know, it's just like that thing with LARPing where it's like if I'm my whole self and I show up as my whole self and I get rejected, like, I don't know if I can take that. I can take this like one dimensional pretend version of me getting rejected because it's not the real me, but the reality is you cannot feel true belonging if you're not showing up authentically. But it just takes a lot of courage and self-love to even get there in the first place, which is why people say you can't love someone else until you love yourself. Like, that's not entirely true, but it's like you can't. It's really hard, I'll say, to, to receive real good love if you don't love yourself, because you're, you're almost like, I, what even is that, that you're trying to give me? Like, I don't recognize that you have to be able to recognize it to receive it, I guess. <laughs> so the reality is with these like creators of chaos that, you know, you could set yourself on fire to keep them warm and they still will be like it's not hot enough you know like they they're not in a place where they can receive love so it doesn't matter how much you do there's always going to be an element of the goalpost constantly being moved like there there's always going to be um, an investment in holding on to the upper hand in the relationship versus being an equal partner. And and I'm not saying that that makes anyone evil or bad. I'm just saying that that's like one of the many ways that that being accustomed to chaos can play out. And it's not good for people who are managers of chaos. We're attracted to it. We're really good at handling it. You know, we do a better job than most people could, but <laughs> Is it good for anyone in the long run? No, because the people who create chaos need to face consequences in order to change. And the people who are used to managing conse- uh, chaos need to get out of that codependent mindset. Like you need to say no. You need to experience your own consequences. Um, they end up being kind of different. You know, there there's a need to be alone. There's a need to learn to care for yourself there's a need to understand your own intuition and like the vibe you know like understand what what feels good where feels good to go like when participating in something doesn't feel good when you're too tired to go out like when a when someone who you're in any sort of relationship with like never comes through for you but always expects you to come through for them And also realizing that like, you know, realizing that thing that happens so often when you're giving a chaotic, challenging person 90% of your energy and the people who are really there for you and really love you and and really support you and give you the goods that charge your batteries, you're only giving 10% too because that's like so often what happens because demanding, challenging people, like they want and require a lot. And, and when you're a manager of chaos, you're used to giving a lot. And sometimes like the easygoing, like true love, not even just romantically, platonically, familially, like work-wise, um, those types of relationships tend to be more easygoing and you almost like forget about them. When you're managing somebody else's chaos, which is becoming your chaos because you're like, you're volunteering to do that job, you know, even if it's subconsciously and it feels like you're not like there is a choice there because there's always a choice to walk away, which is like, I don't know. I see some takes lately about how this idea of like cutting people off is old and that we should be getting over it and it should be more about community But my rebuttal is always like trying to build community with people who aren't on the same page as you, who haven't done their own inner work is like nearly impossible. Like it never works out. If you're trying to build like a, like a left minded, you know, anti-hierarchical, equitable like love-centered community and someone in there hasn't done the work to unpack their capitalist desires who creates chaos because that's how they feel safe who can't communicate who can't handle being like called in at all who like takes up all the room who gossips who spreads drama like you can't create community with someone like that it's gonna fall apart you know And usually those relationships tend to end in, like, some sort of blaze of glory. Like, it's never as easy as just putting distance and letting it phase out. Like, it always has to be dramatic, you know? Um, Really quick, before we go any further, I'm going to take a little break for some ads. So I'll see you in a minute. Bye! Brought to you by the Haunted Mind of Brit Cannon. A Walk-On Production. Flight of the Final Girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. Run. Don't walk. It's Flight of the Final Girl. Anywhere. Books are sold. And we're back. Um, this whole thing reminds me of when I was a kid, my grandma who used me as her therapist, (laughs) but I'm grateful for it now because I learned a lot of lessons from like listening to her story and paying attention to her and like, and being inspired by her as much as I used her as a cautionary tale. But she told me once that, you know, she had a hard time having friends in her life. Because she was a young mom, she had four kids by the time she was 24. Like, there just wasn't a lot of room for friendship. She had some friends who were kind of lifelong, but they would do that thing where they sort of wouldn't speak for years and, like, ebb and flow. But for a while, when her kids were a little bit older, she had a best friend. And they were, like, really close. They talked all the time. And she was telling me this story from, like, a victimhood place. And that's how I definitely responded to it when I heard it. But I think about it and reference it all the time to myself now because I see the unhealthiness in it. So she told me that after like, you know, a couple years of friendship where they saw each other almost every day or talked almost every day, her friend like took her out to dinner and basically broke up with her and said, you know, I can't handle the chaos in your life. Like, your kids are constantly like getting arrested going to jail, like breaking up with this one, getting pregnant, just like, it's always something with you. And like, I can't handle it. I can't be here for you. And like, you know, basically there's nothing else you talk about this. You're obsessed with it. And I just feel like I can't do this. And when she told me the story, you know, it was like, can you believe she did that? Can you believe she said that? Like, what kind of friend is that? This is, you know, 10, 15 years later, she's telling me this and she's still in her feelings about it. And at the time I was like, oh, that's awful. What a terrible person. I'm so glad you're not friends with her anymore. But literally like that's what I said when we had our last conversation. You know, like I would call her and I'd be like, how are you? And it would be a three hour long phone call about all the drama in my family going on. And very little of it had to do with her in the sense that like she wasn't causing any of it in real time it did have to do with her in the sense that she raised these people who are constant creators of chaos but but in the moment she was just managing it because that's the role that she felt comfortable in from an early early age we're talking like four years old right a lifelong habit of managing chaos and so she even like through no conscious fault of her own created a family that was all chaos and then she is spending like the rest of her life her you know her twilight years on this earth still managing that that chaos and I was like, you know, you realize when I call you, like you barely ask me about myself. All you do is talk about all the drama. And like, I don't have any connection to these people anymore. In fact, I'd like to know a lot less about them on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) Like, I just want to talk about us now. Like, I just want to have a relationship with you and not be included in any of this. And she literally couldn't do it. And it was just a, like I said, a cautionary tale for myself because, and I think about it all the time, because that's the path I was on. You know, I was on uh, this like, you know, I'm surrounded by these chaotic people. When people ask me about them, it was almost like I couldn't wait to talk shit about them. Like I couldn't wait to gossip about what mess they were in and how chaotic that they were and how hard it was to love them and what a and hear what a saint i was for taking care of them and just like all of this toxic bullshit but then i you know seeing that mirror of like what the path i was on what i was becoming and realizing like what would happen if i just like chose peace you know what would happen if i just gravitated towards people who didn't operate like this like i understand that there are people in the world who are not this much work And, and I understand I've seen easy relationships. Like I know that you can just have like a healthy friendship, (laughs) you know, I know that you can have boundaries in relation. Like I've seen it. I know it exists, but I just, for some reason, didn't realize that it existed for me. And like, what happens, what would happen if I started like moving in that direction instead of this one? And my life has improved greatly because of it. Now, I kind of want to, like, rewind a little bit and get into how usually if you have, (laughs) in astrological terms, like, usually if you're a chaos-managing sun, you are a chaos-creating moon, you know? (laughs) Or if you're a chaos-creating sun, you have a chaos-managing moon. And the nuance of it can be confusing sometimes. So, like, I am a chaos manager, always have been. And I'm attracted to chaos creators, like in my default settings mode. Um, I love a damsel in distress. It's like really hard for me not to, in the past, it's really easy now. I love saying no. I'm like a huge fan of saying no. And I really kind of get off on just being like, no, period. You know, (laughs) like... Not hemming and hawing and being like, well, 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 and just like coming up with excuses and just like talking way too much and, you know, giving too much information just because you're uncomfortable with the space that comes after a no period. I love it. I'm like in a great place with it now. But, <laughs> but, you know, there's always that default settings voice that's like, you're not entitled to say no. Like, what if they don't like you anymore if you don't do everything for them? Or, you know, like there's always that. The default settings are always there. I'm just constantly doing system updates <laughs> to make sure that I'm stronger and stronger in my resolve and like more showing. Externally, the results of my internal recovery work every day, every moment. You know, it's I'm always a work in progress, not perfect by any means, but like I'm farther than I've ever been. But those default settings are always there. And they're, you know, you can always slip back into them if you don't chickity check yourself before you rickety wreck yourself. So but even though I am a chaos manager extraordinaire, I have created my fair share of chaos in my life. And the big way that I've done it is through being a Libra and like not being honest about the way I was feeling or what I wanted. Like this came out the most heinously when I was dating like six people at once because whoopsie daisy, I didn't have any boundaries and things went terribly. So this is like in my chart. It's like this person can create chaos by trying to um, keep the peace. So it's like I had the best intentions on the best days and like neutral intentions on the worst days. I did not have bad intentions. I didn't mean to lie or like mislead anyone. I didn't mean to set this spiderweb trap of chaos, right? But I was telling everyone what they wanted to hear because I couldn't deal with the discomfort of like disappointing someone or, or telling them something that would make them sad. And so I would do things like triple book myself or like like (laughs) I don't know like just oh I didn't know the difference between like reassuring and like straight up lying to someone or like it was just a wreck and eventually it's people started putting two and two together and realizing that I wasn't telling them the whole truth or that I was like stressed out because I was trying to be everywhere all at once or just like and it all exploded you know, it, there wasn't the only issue that was wrong, but this was the big issue that slapped me across the face and realized, like, you got to get a handle on this. It's like, this is no longer working. It was working when things were really low stakes, but when you're, like, you know, when the functionality of a system, of a community that polyamory re- requires is dependent on, like, honesty and boundaries, and I had none of that, and so, like that was the big contributing factor to like my own response to what should have been happy. Like I wanted this for so many years. I finally got it. And instead it was like the worst time of my life. Like it was so stressful and heartbreaking and like hard and chaotic because I was creating the chaos by like trying to manage everyone else's mood, you know, and like experience and and not thinking about myself or what I wanted. And then eventually I got extremely burnt out and I just shut down and I didn't want anything. You know, I wanted to be alone. And I think that managers of chaos when you're heavily identified with that when you think like this is my job like I'm surrounded this is like my grandma in a nutshell like I'm surrounded by all of these chaotic people like what would they do without me they all need my help like I'm a savior I'm a martyr I don't ask for anything and I just do for do for do for care for you know help out (laughs) generously donate my time and energy and like worry, worry like energy, you know, like if I'm not hands-on dealing with a situation, I'm thinking about it. I'm running over it in my head. I'm coming up with a solution. I'm making sure no one faces consequences. I'm making sure no one experiences an undesirable outcome to their undesirable choices. (laughs) And you can get really, you can LARP as that, right? You can really think that you are like an angel on earth, saving, the lost souls who like just need guidance (laughs) when in reality like all of that work you're doing is creating chaos in and of itself and people outside of your bubble can see it you know in the way that my grandma's friend did where she was like you're contributing to this. Like this is you. You're in the chaos too. You're not just like above it, managing it. Like you're fully in it and you don't realize it. You don't even have space for a friend, even though you want one and everyone wants one and everyone needs good friendships. You like, aren't even making space for that because you're so in the chaos. On the other hand, like creators of chaos people who mainly operate from a space of like chaos in their lives and you know these type of people they're the challenging ones with like unstable moods they lash out they tend to be a little bit angry like they are the the big partiers you know people who um is emotionally unavailable you know always chasing someone terrible for them and being chased by someone too nice for them and just like those are the people the people that the people who who operate through life very much like a, a bear in a bear trap you know like every time you try to help them they just try to bite you <laughs> and um but I've noticed that those types of people are often attracted to people who are like they always want their they always want their stability they always want their chaos manager But they often also surround themselves with people more chaotic than them. So it ends up being a, I don't know why she swallowed a fly type of thing. Where like each level of chaotic person is obsessed with managing the chaos of someone more chaotic than them. Until you get to like the ultimate (laughs) chaos person. Um, And there are the cycles, you know, everyone gets to feel superior. Everyone gets to feel like they're doing the right thing. Everyone gets to feel like a good person. Everyone gets to feel like they're handling it, you know, like it's that, it's that illusion of control that we all are striving towards when we're not doing our healing, when we haven't realized that you can't control that much. And that if you truly can't control something, it's best to just like surrender (laughs) and accept, um, It's that illusion of control where like, I have my shit together. If I didn't have my shit together, how could I help this person who needs so much help? And then that person's thinking, I have my shit together. How could I not have my shit together if I'm helping this person who needs so much help? And on and on and on and on and on, all the way down the line. And the reality is no one is... is looking at themselves the way that they need to be. This is why this whole, like, anti... Like, I i don't believe in individualism at all. I don't believe in, like, looking out for yourself and that's all that matters and that, like, you know, m- is someone marginalized, making it to the top is as good as liberation for everyone. Like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I believe in community. I believe in non-hierarchical situations. Like, I believe in just like everyone should have the same opportunities the same chances everyone should be entitled to just like just be if that's all they want out of life <laughs> like i think we need more rest and less striving and like <sighs> i don't believe in individualism at all um i'm not a capitalist basically but I do think that the world would be a better place if everyone kept their eyes on their own paper. Like it is such an ego trap to be like looking around you at how everyone else is doing and judging and criticizing and critiquing them and like feeling really good about yourself through that process and getting all of your identity from external sources and constantly striving for external validation, when when really the core, like the, the heart of you, that tiny space that I was talking about in the last couple episodes, you know, that sacred space within you that exists only for yourself where no one else is allowed to touch, like that part of you needs tended to. If everyone just like focused on that part of themselves, Peeled back all the layers of trauma and defensiveness and protection and like chaos and avoidance and distraction and just like peeled away all those parts and got to the core of themselves and just worked on that you know, just unleashed that, allowed all of their actions and love and relationships and work and everything to like radiate from that space. I believe the world would be a better place. Community would be a lot easier, not just to create, but to maintain. We would make much more intelligent and like heart-centered decisions. Things like ending a relationship that's not working for either people would be much more peaceful and easier. Like there will always be heartbreak and grief and disappointment and like suffering in life. That's part of the mixed bag of experience we agree to when our souls manifest in the physical on this earth. Like where our souls want to experience the full range of complex human emotions and experiences, like that's, beautiful actually and we shouldn't be in resistance to any of it anytime we're going through something big like we should there should always be some if if only just gratitude for like if I'm feeling this much pain it means I'm alive you know (laughs) even if it's just that um that's always going to be there you can't protect yourself from feeling like quote unquote negative emotions or having negative experiences. In fact, even trying to protect yourself from those things is the ego at work, right? Like life is life. It's meant to be lived, but things can be a lot less messy if If everyone is loving themselves in the process, you know, like going through a broken heart after a breakup can be like, I don't know. I've seen it so many times in, even in myself, how I reacted to, to like each time I got my heart broken, which has been a lot. Like, you know, I remember the first like big, bad heartbreak I experienced in college, um, I remember that my instinct was just to ride it out. Like, I just wanted to be alone. I just wanted to be in my bed. I just wanted to sleep through it and process it. And everyone around me was like, you got to stay busy. You got to stay distracted. Let's go to a party, hook up with someone else. Like just encouraging me to go, go, go. And then I, you know, being, autistic and being like, well, I'm everyone else knows what to do through life and I don't. So I guess this is how you cope. Then that became like my coping mechanism. And then I realized that I was never giving myself time to like process what I went through and do the like unpacking that you need to do after a relationship ends when you're like taking an inventory of what went wrong and who you were in it and how you can avoid those same mistakes in the future. Instead, I just kept repeating cycles, right? Because I wasn't giving myself time. So then when I, and and you know what happens when you don't give yourself time is that you like that pain you carry with you. And that's when you get into these spaces where you like carry you project past partners onto current partners because you haven't done all the unpacking and like, that's going to happen regardless. But the degree to which it happens, the length of time that it lasts, like how hard it becomes to redirect and see the person standing before you as the person standing before you and not every person who's ever done you wrong. You know, (laughs) Um, it becomes a lot easier to like get there. If you have done your due diligence of like unpacking what you've been through And just becoming aware of your trauma and your past experience and, like, how it affects the way you see the world or you react to difficult situations or whatever. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Basically, in order to stop these, like, self-created cycles of chaos whether you identify as a manager or a creator or you have done both in your life which most of us have like you just have to get off the wheel at some point you just have to get both feet on the ground look in the mirror and like be honest with yourself about how you got there you just have to realize that like and this is what I'm talking about about the sacred little space inside of you. Like that little sacred space is love. That is like the love that you are inherently. It has nothing to do with outside of you, it has nothing to do with your level of success or how much good you do in the world, how much you've taken care of people, how much harm you've caused, how many feelings you hurt along the way. Like it has nothing to do with anything external. It is the piece of the universe that lives inside of you. Cause we all take a piece of it with us when we manifest here. It is pure. You know, we are all born, like (laughs) the physical manifestation of that, and then life experience heaps trauma on top of it and it can get so bad to the point where you don't feel that little sacred space at all. You have no connection to it, you don't know it exists, and so you spend your whole life looking for it externally. This is where the myth of the like the other half that completes you comes from, right? I'm not saying that like you can't have a relationship that feels like it completes you. Like you can have two people so compatible that it seems like kismet and like something magic like I do think there's room for that but I think that the way we mythologize it is very unhealthy and can keep you stuck in things that you're not meant to be stuck in way too long so (laughs) you can you can get in touch with that. You can take time alone. You can journal. You can like do therapy. You can seek out spiritual advice. You can listen to things like this podcast. I'm probably preaching to the choir. (laughs) You, You can spend time alone. You can like go on dates with yourself. You can devote time and energy to like Learning how to reacquaint yourself with that space that that frees you from these habits of like needing to earn love or needing to test people who claim to love you um, because you need a certain amount of proof before you feel like you can open up to them. Uh, or you could stop chasing people who do that to you, making you feel unloved in the process, right? And then the, the chaotic way that those types of relationships, those type of codependent dynamics need to blow up doesn't need to happen anymore. Like it's really wild to me now that while I still have insecurities in my relationships, like while I still worry about whether or not I'm enough, while I still feel insecure about the the limitations I have as like a neurodivergent, like chronically ill person who like, you know, doesn't always... I'm not capable of really, like, keeping in touch the way that some people are. Like, it just doesn't occur to me, and some people can handle it, and some people can't. And the people who can't, it's been really ugly. But the people who can, you know, I know that when I feel insecure, it's a me problem. It's not a we problem. But... Everyone who's close to me now, I know will always be close to me. And I've never had that before. You know, you romanticize bad situations. You think like, this is going to be my best friend forever. But there is always sort of an undercurrent of like, unsustainability that always exists in those kind of relationships where you know you you have those like red flags you see right from the start where you're like oh <laughs> I don't know how how long I'm going to be able to deal with that or like oh this person doesn't seem so great for me or like oh this is exhausting or whatever you know you have those little signs along the way that you are scared of that you ignore but eventually they do add up and you get brave enough to like take care of yourself but sometimes, and this is the these are the people worth building community with. Every so often you get a really good one where you're like, this person loves exactly like I love. This person has no chaos. They aren't interested in managing mine because I don't have any either. <laughs> like, sure, life is hard and things happen, but there there isn't this like active creating of chaos. There isn't this like you know, your your radio isn't always on 11. You know, some days it's like not even on. Some days it's like a three. Some days it's like a six, but it's because you're in a good mood, you know? But it's not constantly increasing until the point where you turn your car on and it scares you. You know, there is just a a vibe of peace present in these relationships it's calm it's communicative it's honest it's authentic it's like raw in the sweetest way and i'm i'm overcome with gratitude every day because that way of being has become my primary way of being. You know, I forget sometimes how chaotic my life used to be. I forget sometimes how lonely I could feel surrounded by people all the time. You know, I forget how depressing it is to feel like you have to stuff yourself down and become a one dimensional, like LARP of, (laughs) of just one aspect of yourself in order to fit in, in places like that. And I forget how tired I used to be all the time. You know, um, it's like, I barely remember that feeling of being like scared of saying no, Or, like, scared of saying, like, that hurt my feelings, or this bothers me, or I just can't be there for you right now, or, you know, whatever. Like, I've created this beautiful sanctuary. Like, that little piece of myself has become, like, my whole self. And that's so beautiful. And so, I just want to say. If you're stuck in this place of either managing other people's chaos or creating chaos of your own that you need help managing, there is a way out. You can get off the wheel. You can get your feet off the ground or on the ground. (laughs) You can center yourself. You can care for yourself. You can love yourself. You can prioritize your own recovery, your own mental health. You don't need all of that external stuff to like, keep you going, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know, you can pull yourself back together at any moment and like become who you were always meant to be. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. It's ugly. There's like a lot of tears. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of like, anxiety about letting certain people or, Or ways of being or belief systems go like all of that stuff comes with grief uh if you'd like to hear more about that go listen to my grief of growth (laughs) episode um it's hard you know it's the hardest thing I've ever done but it's also the best thing I've ever done because what happens on the other side is all of the belonging and unconditional love and like liberation and authenticity that you've always craved that we all crave from the time we come here and start getting rejected that's what we want and that is the most healing thing in the world the walk-on podcast is a production of walk-on productions it is written recorded hosted produced and marketed by yours truly That's right, folks. It's a one-person dog and pony show. If you'd like to help keep us afloat, you can donate on our anchor.fm page. That's anchor.fm backslash Brit-Cannon. You can also go to my website, BritCannon.me, to access lots of other things like the blog that goes along with this podcast my two youtube channels the walk on podcast youtube channel and my personal youtube channel that features my poetry and music you can access the album shiny silver snakes that i made with my good friend Lokomoko. you can find mantra the ep that walk on the theme song to this podcast is part of and you can find flight of the final girl which is my debut poetry collection There's also merch, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, lots of other stuff with the swears on them. (laughs) There are photos, videos, and links to all of the services I offer, including tarot readings, astrology readings, mentorship services if you'd like some one-on-one consultations outside of the realm of tarot and astrology and you can also access my self-love course which is a 30-day journal-centered self-love course that is designed to help you build a deeper friendship and more loving relationship with yourself there are journal prompts guided meditations self-care rituals letter writing assignments and a whole lot more Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Until next time, bye.